Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Workers' Liberation Coalition podcast. This is our second episode. We got a couple different items up on the docket today. First thing is an incident that happened with a local organization known as the Bear Clan Patrol and the Edmonton Police Department, as well as the ongoing arms deal with Saudi Arabia and the Canadian government, as well as a conversation about uh, Bell's Let's Talk conversation, quote unquote, with mental health. And, uh, small conversation about uh, some incident going on in Peachland, BC. Um, but anyways, we can just kind of dive right into it with the first thing up on the docket. Um, we do have a guest up and coming for this. Uh, hopefully it'll be on in a minute or two here. But uh, we can kind of go over, um, just as everybody knows with the pandemic, uh, everybody's just in a lot more of a severe place financially than we a lot of people would usually be and some people haven't been fortunate enough to uh, stay housed in that process and not only that uh, the long-lasting effects uh, that we're going to talk about today here as well um, of colonialism as well as capitalism on a lot of these people's uh, psyches and their lives in general um, what uh, is going on specifically uh, we'll have our guest talk about it uh, a little more um, but the bear clan patrol is basically an organization that uh, works with unhoused folks and uh, while doing some work they were approached by uh, edmonton police officers and uh, kind of not reprimanded but uh, they kicked everybody out of the transit station freezing cold uh, were very abrasive towards them uh, since then i believe the city has actually issued an apology as well but what this kind of brings to light is uh, this problem is only going to get worse uh, moving forward in the next year, in the next five years, in the next decade. Uh, we're just going to see more and more people uh, in these similar situations. And we're going to have to find some way to tackle that problem, to deal with it in some way. Um, and we hope to kind of gauge a discussion about it here today. Uh, Klaus, maybe I'll get your thoughts on the topic. Well, this uh, clearly shows which side um, Edmonton Police Service is on uh, when it comes to virtually every engagement with police, involving police, um, they choose the side of the oppressor uh, against the oppressed. Uh, this is consistent with all policing within capitalist republics, Canada included, although we like to think that we're better. That's about all I have to say about it. Awesome. Thank you, Klaus. Uh, Joel, did you have any thoughts on the topic? Uh, yeah, I just, I think, especially with this whole COVID crisis, I think you've got already a point, Colton, that this is just going to get worse. And, uh, more and more people are going to start struggling and it's it's time for people to draw a line in the sand you know and like when is it when is it going to stop when are we going to be able to change things i think uh it's one of the big reasons why we started the wlc and why it's important to get this conversation out there and get people talking about it because our government has failed at every level and not just the homeless individuals but now they're failing the working class and 
like the small business owners and everyone else too. And this problem's not going to just go away or get better. It's, you know, something that we have to work on and fix. And if our government's not going to do something about it, we got to stand up and do something. Yeah, I, I would completely agree with that, Joel. Um, I think a big thing too, uh, that this pandemic kind of brought to light, uh, I guess much like uh, the economic crisis of uh, 2008, as well as in the, the 90s, the dot-com bubble, what this all kind of brings to light is uh, these crises, the crises of capitalism uh, aren't mutually exclusive in a lot of ways. Of course, the, the very, very rich will be well off and we'll be able to gain more wealth. But uh, these economic instabilities affect up to uh, the upper middle class and the petite bourgeois per se. Um, Joel, I don't know if you have any update uh, on our guest right now. Yeah, they're just trying to get uh, their Discord downloaded right now. So she said she'd be on in a couple of minutes here. Okay, uh, awesome. Um, one thing so, too, I think, uh, is not only is the homelessness uh, going to get worse, is uh, the police reaction to it is going to get worse. Like we, we've seen, uh, there was a, a video I, I saw a couple months ago Um of the police uh, tearing down some encampments um, and burning some belongings in like a small area downtown. And then, then I just saw a video uh, from a couple days ago, actually, uh, maybe a week ago, but it was a similar situation. They were tearing down encampments and basically these uh, fundamental things these people have acquired to give them some sense of humanity, uh, that was all being taken away from them. And I think that's one thing uh, a lot of people don't understand either when they're like, oh, they can just go into a shelter. And, okay, you can go into a shelter and, and you, you can have shelter. But when you're in that point in your life, uh, obviously, personally, I can't relate because I've never been homeless. But um, I, I've i lived with, like, formerly homeless people and, and I've talked to um, a lot of homeless people. Um, but you need something to give you a sense of just, just humanity and existence, uh, not satisfaction, but like just a sense that you're still alive. And for a lot of these people, uh, having a tent and having some belongings in there, that's their sense of humanity and going to a shelter for a night. If the police aren't going to tear down their tent and take away their belongings, uh, somebody else might, uh, another unhoused person. Uh, someone may uh, uh, occupy, per se, um, what they've built for themselves. And it's, so it's not just an easy option for some of these people. Like, I've been out uh, now in really, really cold weather uh, with the Bear Clan Patrol, actually. And it's quite evident that these people are putting up with these extreme conditions to just have uh, a small sense of humanity. Um, and I think that that's really tragic when you see uh, a nation as wealthy as Canada and, and people are treated like that. Um, but anyways, I believe our guest is here. Hello. How's it going, Judy? 
Hi, good, good. I'm not too sure how to use this. So, um, I, uh, can you hear me fine? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're coming through. Okay. All right. Okay, good, good. All righty. Well, hi, how are you guys? Good, good, good. Uh, how, how's everything with you? How's the bear clan doing? Ah, oh, gosh. Um, it's been a crazy ride. And I'm so glad my 15 minutes is done. Um, it's like, oh, gosh, I can't imagine anybody has to live under the spotlight all the time. Like, wow. And I, I have a new respect for them because, yeah, I don't want to do this ever again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you get to see a lot of uh, a lot of different people in that process, I'm sure. Yeah, not only that, but then um, you you get like uh, so many because, of course, everybody has an opinion and everybody feels they must share their opinion with you. So, you know, I got, get calls. I've been getting calls at like six in the morning and uh, from it's it's just been crazy messages like nonstop and um and letters of support everybody's writing their councilmen and and um yeah it's been just great i can't believe it i even um did an interview all the way in the uk <laughs> so wow it's crazy but it's good to get that conversation started because it's really needed, and um, nobody should be suffering, especially during a pandemic, especially during um, lockdown, um, when people have, well, our demographic anyways that we work with have no other resources available to them because everything's at a lockdown, you know? And so it's, yeah. 100%. Um, yeah, sorry, did I go off on a tangent now? No, no, and that's perfectly And I suppose we're okay. just supposed to introduce <laughs> ourselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, Judy. Uh, well, th thank you so much for all for all that. Anyways, um, okay, did you wanna sorry. did you wanna introduce yourself and uh, the Bear Clan and what you guys do? We talked about it a little bit, but not too much. Okay, well, um, what? Uh, well, my name is Judith Gale, and I am the Bear Clan leader. Um, Bear Clan. Uh, typically um, has matriarch for um, the clan leader, so of which I am. And um, so we operate the band clan, uh, the, the bear clan rather, um, with indigenous um, um, customs and, uh, and um, with natural law as in, our ancestors uh, as our ancestors taught us you know with with natural law that we live in harmony with mother earth and and uh so we go in a pack i i we call it the wolf pack and we pack our stuff up and we go and we hit the streets in a wolf pack and we go along similar to a wolf pack um where we have our men in the in the front our women um, with all the supplies in the middle and then our um, lookout men at the back and then the leader at the end. And that's how we go. We usually, we always go at least uh, five 
people because we want to be safe and we wear uh, reflective clothing um, because it is at nighttime and people know to to when they see that our red jackets our orange jackets rather and our uh, red wagons that oh there's bear clan so um it's to be visible and then um when and then we um get donations from uh within community um uh an hour before our patrol the supply van goes uh to various volunteer houses that have made soup or uh we pick up sandwiches or some people make um meals as um in the uh postal uh, workers um that we um uh host quite often uh they make a bunch of meals and and uh then we help distribute those and um what else do we do and then we bring harm reduction with us as well which is a really big part and as well we um bring missing person um pictures with us you know we don't not not on paper just on phone you know i distribute it within us and just in case we find um because every uh, i'd say once a week we're getting um a post uh, a message from a family member saying they haven't seen their uncle they haven't seen their sister or or their granddaughter's missing or you know so we help in uh finding them while we're on patrol as well and um and then we also bring out clothing and winter gear and um and a uh, lots of candies because um our demographic really um uh what's the word um they really need that um that sweetness because um they've been uh doping all night or drinking and um they've been you know not being very good to their bodies so um their dopamines have been depleted and a really quick fix in uh, replenishing that is a good shot of sugar so quite often that's exactly what they crave they, you know you you know because they'll come to you and they go oh, i need something sweet i you know cuz that's because they've been on meth all night or for 3 days you know and uh so and as well we bring um bananas and oranges and uh we try to bring for sure bananas and oranges because as well that gives them the potassium and the um vitamin c that they've been lacking and it helps with their teeth because um they can't really um uh, my my our demographic um have a lot of um teeth problem because they've been drugging or or um you know uh, using for for long periods so their teeth um starts to rot out and stuff and so therefore they can't eat like hard hard granola bars or um bite into an apple so uh they really enjoy the um bananas and the oranges because it's it's nicer on their teeth and as well 
Um, we bring out bus tickets when we can, and we carry uh, cigarettes as well. As a de-escalation tool, I use cigarettes as, um, because quite often we'll come across um, a brother or sister who's going through psychosis and perhaps is flailing around or or just um, very agitated and, um, you know, so I find that um, offering a cigarette calms them down and gives them something to, you know, concentrate on rather than uh, um, uh, being out of control as they, they get with uh, that excessive drug. And that only comes around with excessive drug use. It doesn't happen immediately. You know, it's, it happens when somebody's been using meth for at least uh, three years, I think, or more, you know, from what I've seen anyways. I could be wrong. And um, then we also, so we put everything in carts and we go on uh, and we hit the streets. And at the beginning, during the pandemic, we were doing Alberta Avenue because at that time we weren't under restrictions and we could um, gather and, and have like 10, five to 10 people were on our, our patrol all the time. We had put out events and anybody can come and join us. And we were happy to do that. But then, uh, the pandemic restrictions hit, and uh, so I wanted to, um, I stopped the events because I didn't want to introduce uh, new people into the bubble that we already had existing, so uh, we just worked within our own little um, uh, 10 people, and um, and then uh because of the restrictions got even worse, um, our and it got colder, our demographic was, uh, we found them more in, um, in the underground area by the LRTs, um, uh, under the um, uh, city center pedways, um, you know, in, in areas like that. So that's where we would go to meet them, of course. And, um, we, um, a lot of people, uh, when they come with us, they always ask, how come we don't put all our, um, supplies that we gift to people? Why don't we put them in a ready-made bag? And, you know, so it's easier so they we can just go, boom, here, here you go, boom, here you go, boom, you know? And to me, I tell them that, like, that's, that's it's like so um robot-y. it's so like inhumane um what i yeah exactly disconnected so what we like to do is because part of the um community meeting community is uh chatting and uh getting to know one another and um so we always uh like to uh have a good banter going with our people and um, we all, oh, I forgot to mention, we also bring soup, a lot of hot soups. Oh, I did mention that. Sorry. Yeah, and, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. And um, 
so we we always have this banter going when we always um one of the top questions i always ask people is uh, where did they sleep where are they going to sleep um and how was it so that i i've been learning a lot about um hope mission about um the convention center you know you get to hear you get to um see if the services that um, where all the money is put into, um, like the Bissell Center, um, the uh, you know, if it's actually working, if they're actually uh, people are engaging with them, you know, and so that's really valuable information, I think. Do you and, think it's working? Um, well, let me tell you, uh, gauging by what a lot of people have. Uh, told me personally i would have to say that the worst the worst uh shelter that people will try to avoid is the hope mission and um they do go to a convention center as a last resort and they don't like to go all the way out to 99th because it's so far to come back and um what's they uh, what's yeah. so bad about these shelters uh, the Hope Mission, uh, there are so many problematic things with that mission. And I've seen it with my own eyes. And um, for instance, there are uh, a lot of, um, we, we have a whole, uh, uh, I'd say about a good 10% of our demographic that is elderly. And so I talk to our elderly people all the time. And they tell me that... Um, there's an area because, of course, the elderly people, some of them have addictions for a long time or alcoholics or, or uh, drug abusers. And so because um, they do they use when they go to the Hope Mission and if they are inebriated, they are not allowed to go into the shelter area in the front. They have to go around the building to the back and then uh to uh to the basement uh to take stairs to the basement to what they call the snake pit so the snake pit in the back of hope mission is just a big room with one staff person and they don't afford you a cot they don't give you blankets it's just to get out of uh, the elements. So you have shelter. So quite often I've been told personally from firsthand experience that people get, men in, men in particular, because women don't, aren't allowed down there, um, get raped. Uh, they get... Um, uh, robbed, they get beaten up, um, and the ones the, the only one staff person that's supposed to be watching over everybody while they sleep looks the other way, you know. So it's it's a very hostile environment, and this is the uh, nobody has ever it, well for me anyways. I was quite shocked um, 
about the hope, uh, the snake pit, because I'd never heard about it before. And I've lived in Edmonton for a long time. And I've known about the Hope Mission, the front part of it, but I didn't know about the back part of it. And I only learned that because I engaged with um, our brothers and sisters on the street. I, I listened to them and, you know, we, we talk. So I think that um, that's valuable information and that... Um, you know, maybe so, I should be writing a letter to the whole mission. <laughs> yeah. Well, not only yeah. that, like the city. Um, do you believe there's more that the city could be doing that that our government could be doing to uh, to help facilitate that? Or you know what, I I don't believe they are able to. Is the thing, I think the whole mission is. Uh, is um, run by religion, I think. So, you know, they have more pull than our city council. And you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't think, and they get the bulk of the money as well. If, if you look at uh, nonprofits and how much they get, yeah. The Hope Mission gets uh, quite a lot of money. And as well, they are, um, they and, um, What's the other one called? Uh, uh, the Army, Salvation Army. Um, they uh, they employ, um, and, and which really, honestly, people, I'm not a um, racist by any means. Um, and I love all human beings. But this is what I have to say about this. <laughs> is that. In with my experience, what I've seen with my own eyes, the Hope Mission hires a lot of third, third world country people. Now, what I know about third world countries is that they treat their poor the most deplorably so inhumane, so horrible in their own country. You know, India, they they have sex and the poor is spat on, is, is um, you know, uh, thrown rocks at. They're, they're um, shunned from society. You, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, when you go to Sudan, the poor there, same thing. Um and then, so we bring, which which I love about Canada, um, is that we bring our uh, our third world people into the fold, and then we put them to work with our poor. What do you think they're going to treat our poor like? They're going to see them in the same light as they saw their own poor in their own country. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's a very valid point. It's a very valid. Point. Yeah, so I've and I've seen how um how uh inhumane some of them can be to our brothers and sisters and um yeah, I I don't appreciate it and I've heard a lot of 
people talking about it as well on the street. Mm-hmm. Um, people, and people so... often don't want to talk about it, but uh, poverty uh, and those kind of issues are affected by society and culture so much. Uh, and just when you juxtapose these different cultures and you start to bring them into the into the fold with one another, these are these are some of the issues I guess we start to run into. Um, and it, right. it's, it's absolutely horrible, um, no matter how you look at it. Um, but it is a human condition, right? We're all human yeah. beings, and it is a human condition. But as any condition, it can be, you know, um, fixed. It, yeah. it can be. So if we acknowledge and we see where we've gone wrong, maybe we can fix it. Um, so that's, yeah. So what I like to say that uh, the Bear Clan does is that we um, hit the streets with compassionate care in a nonviolent, non-judgmental approach. And um, that's what I love about all of our volunteers. Each and every one of them show the compassion, the empathy, and they do it on, all, on their own time. And... Um, they give with a good heart. Um, with Before every patrol, we always start off with a good smudge and a prayer. And I believe that helps us along the way so that we can get, you know, spread the good love and we can receive the good love too. Because you know what? It takes two people, right? Um, to uh, one to give and one to receive. And if you don't have them together, then you're not doing a good job. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so I always, we always pray that we come across people that are brothers and sisters that are willing to receive, willing to um, take our gifts that, we, uh, that we've uh, collected from community uh, who have also, you know, uh, donated with a good heart. So all we're doing is spreading the love, I like to say, you yeah, know. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned it a bit. Um, w- with COVID, have you seen more people out on the streets than before? Oh, gosh, have I ever. And um, in, in in my work as well, um, I work for John Humphrey Center for Peace and Human Rights, and I run a program called Street Stride. And in that program, I um, I collect uh, numbers of how many people we serve. And um, so at the beginning of COVID, I knew that we were serving about 50 to 75 people in a three-hour um, route. And then now that COVID hit, uh, that number doubled. And then during the restriction, it put tripled, <laughs> quite literally. So, you know, um, though, yeah, when there was uh, no place for anybody to go, you know, everything was in lockdown. Um, then people were really at a loss and were coming out of everywhere. And, uh, we, we had, um, oh, the big, the, the worst time of my, uh, night is at the end when we have nothing because we're still coming across our brothers and sisters that need something and we have to say no, 
you know, and that's like, oh, I forgot to say, and that's um, what our number one motto at the Bear Clan is, is we never say no. So I start off um, telling our members uh, when, if you're new and you come to us new, um, I start off by saying that we're here to support our brothers and sisters. And therefore, um, in this world, there's so many people that have um, failed them in one way or another, um, have given up on them, have um, will say no to them. And so uh, we want to be there in a fashion to support. So if a brother or sister wants two sandwiches or three bowls of soup or, or two socks, we always oblige. We never say no. So because we're there to support, yeah. you know, that's amazing. So, yeah, that, that's absolutely yeah. amazing. Um, the one thing, the, the reason we brought you on here, uh, the incident uh, that happened with the EPS, uh, we can see kind of a bit of what happened in the video. Um, but I believe there's been some sort of statement. I don't know if it's from the city or from the police department itself. Um, could you talk a little bit about the incident and kind of what's happened uh, since? Okay. Um, well, I'll tell you that I only videotaped the second altercation that we had with EPS that night. Now, you know, you guys know about um, the central station and how... Um, you have two entrances, right? So we always start at one entrance and then, uh, and that's upstairs we go, not on the train um, platform. We go upstairs. And so we start at one end and then we go through the corridor to the other end. So the very first um, incident that we had with EPS that night was when we immediately got upstairs uh, to the to the corridors and of course uh, right away we had about eight of our um, brothers and sisters there uh, so we stopped and we um, were serving soup and uh, subs and um, um, some pastries and orange and banana some yolks I believe too yeah and anyways so we were um, uh, serving our brothers and sisters, and then the those two EPS came right behind us and started yelling. Just scared the bejeebies out of Melanie. She was she just about jumped out of her shoes. She said she was so shocked, and they actually went up to uh, the gentleman that Melanie was just serving soup to, and took the soup right out of his hands and then took this uh, sandwich out of the other guy's hands, threw them in the garbage, told them to get up and go. And the one gentleman, he had his belongings strewn on the, um, on the floor because they were sitting down while they were eating. And he had his belongings strewn on the floor. And this EPS officer wouldn't even allow him to gather his belongings. He immediately uh, threw him out, told him to get out. 
and then took his belongings and threw it in the garbage. That's horrible. You know, I kid you not. Uh, This was the same guy at the end of the video who uh, pulled that that uh, that one of our brothers and sisters um, and threw her quite literally threw her out by the shoulder. You know, at the end of the video, you'll see that Mm -hmm. that's the gentleman. Yeah. And he's the one that was the were he was the aggressor. He was the agitator, you know, um, he uh, had no humanity for anybody. And I, I and and to be honest, not even his uh, <laughs> um, his partner, really, um, because uh, his partner was like behaving like a good little foot soldier, if you will, you know. Mm-hmm. She she didn't say anything. She wasn't. She was just. Um, he was doing all the leading. He she she was just the bystander. You know, just being the yeah. So um, it's he hard was to believe all... someone someone could be in a position like that and, and act so blatantly. It's hard to believe that they're even human underneath. It it is it, true. I don't know why. Um, yeah, all I can say is perhaps uh, he's been on the force too long, and you know, I'm not too sure. But um, I, I have to question, and so do my bear clan members that night have to question what were they even doing there in the first place? Mm-hmm. You know, um, that night we had already come across peace officers uh, that were at Central Station. Uh, there were two um, uh, security guards at Central Station. Um, so had anybody been unruly? Had anybody been, you know, uh, done, doing something that warranted EPS? You know, I'm sure the security and the, the uh, peace officers could have taken care of it, right? You know, so to me... There's cameras all over the ETS, and they saw us coming and wanted to exert themselves. You, you know, like so a bit of making a statement. Exactly, exactly. As you saw his remark, as you heard his remark in the video, he said, "Oh yeah, 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 sure. You can help all you, all the people you want." You know, very condescending. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. How much? He how was... much of a role do you feel the racial aspect has in this, if any? Well, you know, that's the thing. I really don't want to put it uh, on that microscope because I really, really don't. I, I'm. I'm indigenous. I experience racism in alberta on a daily basis kid you not true story um yeah and so i did not want to blow this incident out to be a racial issue because really to me it's more of a human rights issue you know uh, these uh, human beings had no consideration for other human beings' lives in minus 33 wind chill conditions. They put their lives in peril. You know, I Absolutely. and my Bear Climb members, we have 
homes to go to. We have resources. We could have taken the cars. We could have taken a bus or a cab. Do you know what I mean? But our brothers and sisters that night had none. So for him to do that was just to exert his power or his, whoever his commanding officer's power, you know what I mean? Because somebody had to give him the, uh, uh, the, uh, the orders to do that. Right. I'm sure he didn't go rogue and do it all on his own. Yeah. Well, exactly. Is this a first time, a first time incident for you guys? Absolutely not. No, we've um, actually uh, with the security, with peace officers, with the ETS uh, police. um, And uh, even as up until that night, uh, even with the EPS, they've always regarded us as frontline workers, which we are. We're especially during a pandemic. We are frontline workers. Do you know, we bring the necessities of life to our brothers and sisters. That, yeah. uh, you know, when when our brothers and sisters um, have issues and they get into problems at shelters, they get kicked out of those shelters. Where can they go? Where can they go? And let me tell you, um, Wouldn't you have so, I mean, we can see already during this pandemic time, people that are housed, people that have jobs are very suicidal. Our domestic issues are on the rise. You know, all of these mental issues with people that have means. Now, how about if you have nothing and you have all of the same thoughts, as as, you know, how how do you feel when you're on the street during a pandemic and everybody's forgot about you? Wouldn't you want to, uh, how do you break down? Where can you go? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 100%. So, so to me, when they're, when, when they're, they're given shelter, I would like to see those places have a bit more compassion and a bit more empathy and make it a rule that never ever kick anybody out i mean gosh we're dealing with a demographic that has had the freaking shittiest experiences that's why they're on uh, that's why they've run away from society and yeah. decide to just you know live on uh, live um away and and do their own thing so why compound it more do you know yeah. what i mean 100 percent, and it's i think it's a hard for a lot of people to empathize um with those types of situations because they, they make some sort of excuse for themselves or they make some sort of justification where where they're able to lift themselves up by their bootstraps and they're in a different situation so i think exactly there there needs to definitely be a conversation about it and it's really great that that conversation is starting to happen more and more mm-hmm now the other conversation sorry to bother uh cut you off (laughs) Um, the other conversation that i wish i had brought up initially when this whole thing blew up but i mean it happened so fast you just gosh you just have to you know you don't think at the moment right but after i've been thinking about it um 
the other issue that I wish I had brought up is Alberta Health Services. They are just as culpable. You know, I would have to say, oh gosh, a good maybe even half of our demographic should be in a mental health institution or a group home or um, something that's going to help them with their mental health issues, you know, instead of Alberta Health, uh, Alberta Hospital dropping them off downtown Jasper and that's it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because half of our people are, have mental, um, there's this one lovely man that I see all the time, Stephen. You know, the first time I met him, do you know what he told me? He told me his family threw him away because he has schizophrenia. Uh, schizophrenia. Hmm. You know? That's terrible. Uh, That's yeah, terrible. yeah, exactly. So these are, and, and why should we be seeing, you know, this summer, oh, we had a mental health um, uh, little girl named Shada, rest her soul. Um, she... Uh, Oh, she aged out of care. She was had a bit of SAS. She was a child. Um, she had been in care for most, coddled, you know. And then once she turned 18, they just cut all ties with her, you know. Wow. Yeah. And then guess what? The poor little girl ended up on the streets, homeless, living in tent cities, being passed around like a little rag doll. Then she gets beaten up and thrown around. And, of course, what does she run to? Down. And then she uh, overdoses because it's fentanyl lace. You know? And, oh, my God. Yeah. They, these are the... And then we have another little girl who died, froze to death at uh, Boyle Street, right in between... Two big powerhouses, Ebcor building on one side, Rogers on the other side. That's insane. And yet, right in the smack middle of those buildings that had, uh, 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 like, Ebcor is only 10% occupied. Roger at this time is like, what, not even occupied? You know what I mean? Yeah. And here we had one of our little 20-year-old little girls freeze to death you know how does that that's happen horrendous. that's horrendous yeah and, and, and in, you... in such a rich country where people it... people have such luxuries that we can't afford these basic these basic needs and services to people that's it's inexcusable exactly and this is what i see all the time and this is why i'm so passionate about what i do because nobody deserves that nobody and you know like oh okay and the other thing too that i'm really passionate about too with shada's case is that i really want to um be there and stop um well help children um who have aged out of care and are on the streets you know uh the bear clan when we go around um it's amazing um how many young kids we come up to 
honest to goodness. In church, I mean, not Churchill, rather, in Coliseum alone, um, we probably serve about a hundred young kids just there alone. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I kid you not. Um, and you know why I'm thinking? Uh, and a lot of them are indigenous. Um, so I don't know if you were, if you ever heard of Cindy Blackstock, right? No, Black, uh, no I'm not aware. Uh, okay, well, Cindy, um, she's a really, um, she's an advocate, and she came up with a um, statistic. Um, let me just see if I'm saying her name um, right. Uh, Blackstock. Yes, she's. Yeah. Okay. So um, she's an activist for child welfare, and she's the executive director of First Nations Child and Family Caring Society. So her society um, conducted a study, and uh, they concluded that currently there are 83% uh, of children that are in care are indigenous. Now, a, that's a large, large number. What is going to happen when those kids age out? Are we going to see those numbers on the streets? It's an endless cycle. Exactly. So we've got to stop that because that should not happen. You know, when a child is in, in care especially in the government, that child's um, development isn't as um, great as a child that's been um, in a family, loving family environment. Do you know what I mean? 100%, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we need to um, take care of that child more than we need to take care of, you know? Yeah. So um, we need to put... Yeah, we need to put programs in place or or like group homes in place right now that are going to help those young kids. Because right now what I see, it's horrendous. You know what? Instead of, back in my day, young kids would go on the street, uh, alcohol they get, and marijuana, and they'd be having fun and laughing. Well, now, guess what? These young kids... Uh, 16, 17, 19, 20-year-olds are going right for down heroin. Isn't that awful? So we're going to have, and that's really scary. And if we have like 83% of those kids that get out of care and they go right to heroin, oh my God, we're not going to have another generation. That's horrifying. You know? Yeah. It really is. Judging by what's going on right now on the street, not only that, are they go getting into down, they're also getting into gangs. Mm -hmm. You know, um, Red Alert, for one, has seen a, resurgent, a resurgence. And it's um, uh, the leaders are all <laughs> these old guys. And then most of their crew are these young little kids. Like, that is so wrong. These old guys are getting these young little girls hooked on down. You know? That's terrible. Like, that, that's, and, that's terrible. and that's, 
that is terrible. This is like the the world, uh, the demographic, you know. And so these are the things that we have to keep in mind when we're dealing, when we're dealing and serving our people. And we have to remember where they come from, what what they're doing, how they they got there, and, and be more empathetic. And uh, so, yeah, if a, of, if a lot more people could could do that and and try to put themselves maybe not in that person's shoes but just try to relate to that in some way um i think we we could move forward a lot easier on stuff like this but i've seen i've seen a lot of the discourse around this and some of it's heart-wrenching to see both ways um people have been in that situation and you know have gotten out um getting angry about one issue or another and people just getting angry at each other it's, it's a really sad situation to see but it, it, it gives me personally uh, a lot of uh, a lot of I, I don't know what to, to call it per se I guess optimism uh, to see organizations like yours I have been on the walk with you guys once or twice um, and it is really amazing to see uh, that there are still good people in the world you know <clears throat> Absolutely. I totally know what you mean because, oh my God, since this incident blew up, uh, I've had nothing but like beautiful messages, phone calls and, you know, people reaching out, um, even um, politicians, um, you know, like it's been crazy. It's been crazy. So you can really tell, but uh, with the good, of course, there's always the bad. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, you do get the oddball guy that's, you know, with siding with EPS and, uh, you know, you know, and calling you uh, uh, in uh, slurs and, you know, yeah. yeah, racial slurs and, yeah. But I just ignore that because... Um, I like to uh, work with the power of attraction. Yeah. So what I put out there, I'm going to yeah. attract. And well, I don't want to put such... out any negativity. Yeah, you're doing such great work that it just speaks for itself. Oh, thank you. You know what? I just love our brothers and sisters. And I wish that I could see save each and every one of them. And what I tell, tell our members, too, is that... Um, you know, all it takes is one minute to affect another person's life. Yeah. It really does. It really does. All it takes is that one little minute, you know, and I've seen it. I have seen it. I've seen a person go from... Uh, you know, down and they're locking their, they're looking at their shoes and, you know, and they're, they feel like they're invisible. And then we come up and we interact with them. And boom, their demeanor has changed. They are, they've got renewed hope and they feel human again, because guess what? Somebody has acknowledged them. Somebody has seen them, you know, they've gotten respect, you know? That, that is truly amazing. It's yeah, yeah, hundred percent. But but what really makes me sad is that 
because what we do is spreading love and um, sometimes it becomes really overwhelming and people want to break down and what's really sad is that um, our brothers and sisters really have no place to break down. I have a place to break down. I can go to my bedroom and and break down and just yell and scream and cry and just, you know, just really break down because that's what we need to do. You know, it helps with our mental health, you know, and where do our, where do our unhoused really break down? Yeah, I guess they don't really have anywhere. No. So you know how it comes out? It comes out in other ways, right? When they um, have no tolerance for waiting in line, if they, you know, just little things. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, exactly. And then, boom, they get kicked out of a shelter. Like, fuck. Oh, I, I, I just can't believe that. I really, that's one of the things I really, really hate is our our own getting kicked out, humans kicking out other humans. Like, come on, you know, we're supposed to be the darn smartest uh, species on Mother Earth, but yet, you know, we're the only species that don't allow our own to have a dwelling. Yeah, that's absolutely tragic. It's Um, inexcusable. uh, Close. Sorry. Uh I was going to bring up the uh, quote from Charles Darwin, who said that uh, if the poverty of people is uh, not caused by uh, natural forces, but by our institution, uh, great is our sin. And I think that really applies here. Oh, wow. Charles Darwin said that back then, hey? Oh so, gosh, we've got a, we got a long way to go to work on that. <laughs> it, it's been an issue apparently for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Again, wow, it's that's, kind of interesting that's to look a... uh, culturally with that too, and you, you can see different cultures have treated poverty in uh, significantly different ways as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I always thought that Canada, we we're different you know um canada is built on indigenous uh um values um our laws are um built upon um natural law you know mm-hmm. that um uh we brought uh to colonizers you know and they adopted into their laws right so I've always thought that we've we could, we're we can work together. We can do things, you know, and we we can take care of one another. And uh, capitalism just gets in the way. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there always needs to be a profit motive, right? Right, and I'm so sad to say, like even my own son, who is uh, 30 years old. He is of that age, uh, that uh, generation that thinks that, you know, oh, he can't do nothing for free. Oh, gosh. And I'm like, my son, that's not the way I brought you up. But, you know, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's the world we live in. And, yeah. uh, Yeah.
we see it everywhere in um, TV commercials. You know, it's like subliminal messages. It's like it's it's crazy. It they have really um, put um, intelligence. You know, uh, like far beyond like. Uh, Data collection right now is the number one uh, commodity in the world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's, that's mining human beings. That's all data collection is mining human beings. <laughs> yeah. And it's the highest uh, uh, commodity. So therefore, what does that say about our society? Oh, my God. There's, and there's, then there's, we, yeah, there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah, I think to speak to your point about uh, people not having a place to go, that's something that we've and like our organization, we've really been focused on. And uh, we're, we started working with uh, an org out in Halifax that started building emergency crisis shelters for houseless individuals living out there. And that's something that we uh, we're currently working on getting underway. Uh, we're looking at donations and stuff right now because I think like if speaking from my own experience when I was homeless and I had family members and our like problems and struggles with addiction and stuff like that it's a, a lot of that stems from not having that place to go and not having that outlet or feeling like you have support or you know, just like there's no solid ground anywhere and I think that's something that's really important to bring to people, which is why we're kind of focused on that. I know Bolton's been kind of working towards building our website for that. I don't know if you had anything you wanted to add in there. Yeah, no, that's absolutely, it's just an effort we're still trying to collect right now and actually get something moving. Um, whether or not uh, we're going to be able to negotiate some place to uh, uh, put these uh, shelters with the city or whether we're going to have to go a little more uh, avant-garde with it. We'll see. Um, but yeah, it's uh, definitely an effort we're trying to uh, we're trying to push forward as well. Um, oh, that's awesome. So is it going to be like... Um... Um, are you guys looking at like a building yeah. or, uh, yeah. yeah, a building. Okay. Yeah. Basically um, a I... shack more or less like a shack size, a little larger than that. I believe okay. there's uh, oh, wow. some blueprints we got from the people in Halifax that are currently doing it. Um, Oh, awesome. Well, that sounds really, uh, exciting. Um, I was thinking about um do i would love to see like a tiny house community mm -hmm. for our unhoused that's what um, we were looking at doing precisely yeah. yeah yeah but what i would like to see it being built or the um the material uh that we that we build it with i want it to be hemp creek because mm. a hemp creek is as fire retardant um it's also no bugs can burrow in the walls and you know and live inside the walls like cockroaches and uh you know uh stuff like that um it's uh, it's also a living and breathing organism so it's like uh warm in the winter cold in the uh, cool in the summer 
there's so many great things to hemp and it's cheap. And um, I, I totally can see all of these beautiful little tiny homes. And, you know, it could be a um, transitional station, if you will, mm-hmm. um, to um, uh, getting uh, our brothers and sisters off the street, right? We would uh, house them in the these uh, tiny homes until mm-hmm. they get their, their apartment or if they are going to be going into like uh, transitional um, housing for like mental health issues or, you know what I mean? Stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And so it could be, yeah. And I could totally see something like that and it'd be really easy to clean too because you just have to go in there with the pressure water thingy and because it's, it's also um, um, waterproof. Oh, wow. So, yeah, there's so many. Yeah, exactly. So our house can and you can't like really destroy it. Oh, my goodness. Did you guys hear about what they did to our people did to uh, the convention center? They have. Yeah, I was just talking to a friend of mine who works there. And he said that they've done about ninety five thousand um key of damage there oh wow uh yeah since the uh, shelter has been there um with fights damage to um the railings the stairs um they're tagging all over the building they're uh damage to the toilets to the inside like oh they just totally like ah <sighs> I don't know. I, and security doesn't seem to be doing such a great job there. Mm-hmm. I myself, I was so against opening up the convention center uh, for that purpose. Um, and as well, it, to me, I thought it was so inhumane as well, making our unhoused um, go down five sets of stairs to get to the uh, entrance and uh, or else they'd have to wait for a bus and and it didn't have like a schedule. So you'd have to stand there and wait in, where there's no shelter to wait in in the blistering winter, windy cold. Right. Or else mm-hmm. walk down those five big long stairs on icy conditions, snowy conditions. Do You know what I mean? It yeah. was. And then as well, because those stairs are. Um, on every uh, you go you go down one set and then there's a little platform then you go down another set a little platform now guess what red alert was doing setting up on those platforms and taxing people as they were coming down oh wow you know yeah like this is ridiculous um, what they were doing at the convention center so and then like when they is, had is COVID that still going on now? Oh, it is. It is. It's still going on. It's just horrible. And that's the other thing that brings me uh, to a good point. It's kind of off topic. But um, Red Alert is out there causing mayhem. I'm wondering why Red Alert hasn't been designated a terrorist gang. (laughs) You know, they got Proud Boys who run amok too. Why don't they do red alert who's running amok? You know? Yeah. Because, because, 
it's not politically convenient, <laughs> I guess. I know. I know. I wish they would because that's who's getting our li- young little kids hooked on heroin right now. You know? Yeah. In, in your eyes, that's one of the biggest threats. Oh, yes, it is, my dear. Yes, it is. Heroin use is on the rise and has become worse since uh, the pandemic. Really bad. Yeah. Heroin. I'm. Uh, it's it's a terrible terrible drug and um very addicting and uh they cut it with fentanyl too so um if they if there's you know too much then you die so it's just a roll of the dice yeah exactly and we've had so many of our brothers and sisters uh die in the past Probably, gosh, in, okay, there's, you, you know what they call Crack Tower? That uh, big white building on, um, uh, right next, well, down the street from the Hope Mission. Okay. They, yeah, yeah, that big one. In that building, because they it's like uh, rooming houses, well, uh, bachelor apartments and stuff. Um, so a lot of um, uh, people on welfare live there and a lot of our demographic go up there and stuff. So anyways, in one month, they had, what, 58 overdoses oh and God. 12 deaths. Wow. <laughs> and that's all from heroin. Wow. Yeah. But I'm glad to say that terrible, they closed up that place now. Yeah. So that's good. But still... Um, so when we hit the streets, we try to keep all of these things in mind because, um, with information, you get strength, right? You, you're, you get a, you know what you're dealing with. So you're better, um, you're capable, you're better capable to serve because, you know, you know what you're dealing with, right? Yeah. So, um, Yeah. So all, all our Bear Clan members have learned, like, uh, for instance, one of our Bear Clan members, uh, initially she would uh, bring her cell phone with her and have it out, and she'd do a little texting here and there. And <laughs> she realized, and then uh, this one boy tried to ask her uh, if, she could, uh, t- if she could tell him the time. And uh, when she pulled out her cell phone to look at the time, he he about grabbed it and was going to run away with it. But Mm. uh, she had pulled it back fast enough, you know. But these are the things that you learn as you go along, you know. It was her first, uh, it was her second time out. And um, so we we tell you people, like, number one, we don't give out money. We don't, um, yeah. That's the number one thing. We do not give out money. We will gift lots of things to you, but we will never give you money. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, we don't want to. um, Yeah. I always try to talk to our people, too. And um, for instance, like, uh, I try to. Uh, talk to our addicts and say, "Hey, um, do you want me to like hook you up with a with a detox? Do you want me to make an appointment? Do you want me to, you know, I try to get them when they're down and see if they'll be able if they want to, you know, uh, come come in 
you know, off the yeah. street and go in and maybe uh, get clean for a bit, you know? Yeah. So I, I try to uh, hook people up with resources that they need that way. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't always work, but at least yeah. I try. And it shows that it shows them that I care and somebody cares about them. And I, I'm not the only one that uh, practices that. Um, Melanie and Ray, and, and they all do that too. So, you know, we really try to talk with, with our brothers and sisters and let them know that we care and that they're not alone out there, you know, that we're going to be there for them. And uh, I am my brother's keeper. That's yeah. what I am. So, 100%. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Um, oh, sorry. Uh, I'll just let, tell you this one little bit. Sure. Uh, I'm a 60 scoop. So I was taken um, by the government as a baby from my uh, little settlement in the Northwest Territories. And when I turned 18, I was allowed to um, get the papers that the government uh, had written about me, you know, since I was a baby. And uh, the, one of the very first things that they had written was that Judy is a fighter. She sticks oh, up wow. for the little ones. <laughs> and wow. that was when I was five years old. That was one of the wow. first things they wrote about me. And look at here, I'm 55 years old and I'm still doing that. <laughs> that that's amazing. That's good for you. That, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. been, it's been absolutely great to hear from you, Judy. Thank you so much uh, for coming on today. Um, I don't know if anybody else uh, has any final comments or anything they want to say. I'll kind of open the floor here. Um, I was just going to ask, um, if people want to get involved and help out and support you guys, how would, like, what would be the best ways to go about doing that? What would you guys recommend for like, donations or just helping out and getting the word out? Okay. Um, well, what we would like is... Um, uh, to sign up for a patrol, that would be great. Well, you don't have to sign up per se. All you have to do is uh, show up for a patrol. Um, we don't have a schedule because, you know, I don't want anybody to think of it as a job. Mm -hmm. So it's there's not a schedule. I want people to always come with a good heart and an open heart. And so um, to come up with their own volition. So um, that's one way of supporting us another way is to donate uh warm clothing uh in the winters and uh you know fall coats in this you know uh in the fall and blah 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 like that shoes um toiletries men's uh toiletries um women's essentials uh bus tickets um a big part of our our um uh, we're gifting is uh, cigarettes as well um, because um, I like, we like to use them as a de-escalation tool. Um, if we come across our brothers and sisters arguing or, or yelling or screaming at each other, uh, I'll go in and I'll 
get in between them and I'll go, hey, 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 you guys, come on, let's have a cigarette. Let's talk about this, you know, yeah. and we'll, and we'll uh, give them a cigarette and, and right away their, their demeanor changes and they're like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll have a cigarette. Yeah. And then, they, you know, so it's a really good de-escalation tool. So we always bring cigarettes with us. Um, as well, um, if you'd like to host a meal uh, that evening for one of our patrols, you can make a soup at home and uh, bring it, or we can pick it up. Um, as well, um, we take e-transfers um, at our Gmail account, uh, BearClan uh, Beaverhills House at gmail.com. And um, we are going to be expanding here. Um, we're pleased to say that um, the Muslim community donated us uh, uh, quite a bit of money. So we were able to purchase more um, wagons. And therefore, we're going to be opening up uh, Strathcona Patrol. So oh, wow. we're going, yeah, we're going to have Alberta Avenue Patrol. And that's the north side. Then we're going to the south side, Strathcona Patrol. Then it'll be Jasper Place Patrol, which is the west. And then Abbotsfield Patrol, which is the east. And we will have covered all four corners of Mother Earth in Edmonton. Uh, <laughs> northwest, east, and yeah, south. Yeah, and we'll have them go in simultaneously. And um, we all have a supply van uh, just going around and, you know, dropping off the supplies at each uh, garage um each patrol has a garage so on the north end we have a garage there on the south end now we have a garage there and i believe we're going to be starting our strathcona patrol at the end of february i mean at the end of february here okay. so uh, march 1st will be our big strathcona one and because the muslim community um donated all that money they will be coming out with us on the first patrol oh wow that's amazing yeah yeah Good. so we love to work with all community you know um because i think that's really important we're all uh the we're all on mother earth together we're all star people you know we're just different shades that's all yeah, 100%. So, yeah. 100%. I so we're, more. yeah, so we all, we we never say no to anybody and we accept everybody. We're non judgmental, non violent, and we come with love and a good heart. Well, awesome. Thank you so much, Judy. Uh, thank you so much for showing up today and talking with us and, uh, uh, you know, just uh, enlightening us. On, on all this stuff. Uh, I, I learned a lot of stuff today. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, Judy. And I hope you have yourself a good night now. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. And thanks for having me, everybody. And uh, I'm sorry if I, uh, if I um, was long winded. <laughs> no, that's okay. Uh, okay. That's okay. All right. Okay. Well, well you, so you guys much, take Judy. care. Yeah, you and too. And guess what? Yeah. I love your guys' generation because you guys brought in the I feels, you know, uh, before you guys, we weren't allowed to say, I feel this way, you know? So that's what I love about your generations. You brought in the, I feels. Yeah. Good, good. All right. Take care guys.
Okay. Have a good one. You too, Judy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. So that was Judy with the Bear Clan Patrol. That uh, topic went on for a little bit longer uh, than we thought it might have. But uh, with that, we will move into our next topic, which is the ongoing arms deals between Saudi Arabia and Canada. Um, It's kind of interesting to uh, contrast this subject with the last one, where we're spending all this money uh, and we're, we're generating all this income from selling arms to Saudi Arabia, and yet we can't even afford the most basic food and shelter. <laughs> for our citizens but anyways uh, i believe klaus has a bit uh, a bit of a spiel on this one and uh, we can start off the conversation from there so uh, klaus if you just wanted to start okay well um about generating all this income from this deal uh the thing is who actually gets this income uh now the company which is handling this deal which is uh general dynamics land systems uh, is based in London, Ontario, and uh, they're supplying uh, light armored vehicles to uh, the Petro monarchy of Saudi Arabia uh, in the amount of around 900, some sources vary on this. Um, now, this has gone on since uh, 2014, 2015. Uh, this is left over from Harper. Uh, Stephen Harper made this deal, and um, what's particularly interesting about this is that it completely transcends uh, all party lines, Um, both the criticism of this deal as well as uh, the support for the deal has come uh, as a completely nonpartisan issue. Um, Now, I suppose I'll give somewhat of an idea of what sort of revenues we're dealing with here. Now, sources vary, but uh, General Dynamics Land Systems, uh, they seek to make uh, 13 to $15 billion from this, employing around 60, uh, around 600 people. Uh, now, when questioned about this deal uh, during the leadership debate back in 2015 by Tom Mulcair, uh, our, our glorious conservative Prime Minister Stephen Harper uh, simply wrapped himself in the flag, said that uh, it wouldn't be right to lay these people off. These people are depending on this deal. Um, now, I feel as if I don't have to go into detail about the horrendous human rights record of Saudi Arabia I, I suppose uh, maybe I'll, I'll just give some exposition on this. Um, Saudi Arabia has been accused and proven to have killed uh, several journalists who report on war crimes in Yemen, uh, including most notably uh, Khashoggi. Um, uh, the war in Yemen itself is near genocidal. Um, it's by mere technicality that uh, it's not considered a genocide. Um, and uh, so far, there's not incredibly reliable evidence that our light armored vehicles that are coming from London, Ontario, are being used to commit these crimes. However, uh, this, I think, shouldn't matter. 
um, what matters is that we are saying to the world that we are going to champion liberal freedoms. We're going to champion uh, the freedoms of marginalized people that we have in our own country, yet we're going to support a regime which in, at every turn marginalizes them further, particularly women and LGBTQ people. Um, that makes it... No. All that makes it seem really uh, vapid and empty when they throw uh, accusations of human rights abuses at other countries as a pretext for war. And it's quite clear when uh, Canada engages in it and what we're trying to do with China, they're having a vote next week actually on the issue. Um, but with this, how big of a role uh, does nationalism and enforcing nationalism, uh, how big of a role do you believe that plays in the uh, perpetuation of the military-industrial complex? Well, I think in many, it's it's quite divided on this issue. Uh, you got to think this this issue has not come into vogue until very recently. It's been really on and off in terms of media coverage over the past several years. Um, when Harper proposed this deal, it was like radio silence. Um, and indeed, the only mentions I can find of it uh, from parliamentarians of any type was from that aforementioned uh, 2015 leadership debate, uh, as well as um, a question period. And uh, I'm, I'm about to uh, talk about what actually happened in this question period right now, because I think it really reveals quite a bit about uh, just the, the lack of accountability and the lack of just care put into this deal, uh, which the liberals inherited. Uh, just a second. Now, during this question period, uh, NDP MP uh, Guy Caron um, basically said, he brought up uh, what Justin Trudeau uh, once, once said about this deal uh, and uh, the proposition of canceling it. He said that it wouldn't be fair to uh, give Canadians a $1 billion bill, which they would incur uh, from canceling this deal. Now, um, they, uh, the prime minister's office was asked about this and uh, where they got this one billion number from. And they said it was an expression. Uh, I Need I say more? Um, and during this question period, um, Mark Garneau, who is now completely infamous, this was in 2018, uh, simply responded with a non-answer. He said that Canada is under the uh, arms trade treaty which is a treaty that uh, with loopholes that you can drive uh, drive a tank through literally 900 of them uh and he said that we are assessing uh, the risks of this export deal uh then he was asked again and said the exact same thing uh 
So clearly the liberal government doesn't really want to take any sort of actual action on the issue. They're not taking any action, nor are they taking any responsibility for continuing it. Um, in fact, they've, they've actually been still pushing this faux progressive line that we always see in Canadian foreign policy. Uh, former uh, Foreign Affairs Minister Christian Freeland always championed uh, Sweden, who is also trading arms with this Petro monarchy, uh, for its feminist foreign policy. Uh, in fact, there's actually a tweet in which she said uh, something to the effect of, uh, this is what we need in Canada. We need uh, Sweden's feminist foreign policy. And I think that also just speaks for itself. Um, you are, you're championing, championing feminist foreign policy while selling weapons to a country that a few years ago did not even let women drive. I think it's important to note too, uh, like why we're bringing this topic up again, uh, because like when COVID happened, there was a ceasefire, uh, like so the Saudis put uh, up a ceasefire, and the war kind of tapered off a bit, and so it, it went from being mainstream media where you'd hear about this genocide and like all of these children and women starving and this humanitarian crisis in Yemen to then the COVID crisis hit, and it kind of just went away but in the last couple of days here it seems that uh, it started to escalate again where like i know personally i have several uh, yemeni friends on my facebook feed that are talking about uh like what's going on and how there's been hospitals in their neighborhoods that have been bombed and like all of this stuff going on and i think like this this is an issue that hasn't gone away and that's why that's why we're talking about it now, even though it's still you know, five years after the fact of it originally starting. And I think it's important that we get it out there and talk about it. Yeah, um, it, it also, what needs to be said is that many other countries with uh, similar deals have canceled them. For example, uh, Angela Merkel from Germany uh, canceled this deal directly after the uh, execution of those journalists. Um, I, uh, I, I'll just read something from my notes here. Um, a, a common defense of this deal is that uh, if it should be cancelled, uh, Saudi Arabia would purchase these weapons elsewhere. Now this is clearly a very, very shaky argument. Um, and uh, it would particularly buy these weapons from European countries such as France and Germany. Uh, even Harper, sitting in retirement, must be very amused and delighted to hear of Germany's cancellation of arms exports. Weapon sales now open to be filled by the rightful supporters of state terrorism and oppressive regimes. Uh, more market share for Canada in selling weapons to illiberal and oppressive regimes. Which makes us just appear on the world stage, um, not only as an enabler, but, uh, but as a hypocrite, as, as we try to champion these human rights and these liberal principles around the world. And while we may Absolutely. not go around with the attitude that America does, playing world police, we're always right behind them, They're right there to back them up. Well, yes, um, and I think with uh, 
Biden's very milquetoast sort of temporary ban, which has recently occurred, um, I, I don't think that it will actually materialize in uh, opposition to the war with Yemen or the war on Yemen, as it should rightfully be called. So do you feel like uh, Biden's recent, uh, I, I guess he banned all arms sales entirely to Saudi Arabia? Um, what True. Did you, did you it's only a temporary. It's only temporary. Okay. So you believe it's a pretty empty promise. Yeah. It is a very empty promise. Uh, we've seen this thing numerous times before. Uh, yeah, you even look now, at his, like campaign promises, and he's already backtracking on those hardcore, like with canceling student debt, and now he's coming out and saying, like, no, I'm not doing that. Like, it's it's definitely something that's not going to last. If there's a buck to be made, you know that like, our government and the American government are going to be in on it. Exactly. And um, the fact that, uh, keep in mind, our deal is uh, $15 billion at most. Uh, the deal that the United States has with uh, the Petro monarchy of Saudi Arabia is valued around $110 billion. Uh, in fact, if, if you look it up, uh, there's a very, very um, funny, it would be funny if it wasn't so disgraceful, uh, video of Trump meeting with the crown prince uh, with a picture of all of the weapons that were being sold. And he points at something and he says, uh, 110 million, that's peanuts to you. We should have raised that. Um, it's um, Trump really, I think, the great thing about Trump was that Trump exposed uh, just the bitterness and... Uh, the sort of monetary cynicism of the American government. Uh, this is something that won't happen with Biden, and that's why we need to be increasingly more mindful and more critical. Uh, critical not meaning that we should be against everything that Biden does, but that we should inspect it with extreme scrutiny. Well, and a, and a big issue of it, too, is uh, Biden isn't isn't uh, isn't the star of the show. You know, he, he's not an intention seeking uh, a person. You know, he, he's not a very eccentric person, whereas Trump almost every second day he said or he did something that warranted mainstream media attention where Biden's going to be doing the exact same stuff, but he's just not going to be talking about it. So mainstream media isn't going to talk about it either. Well, I, I do have hope that uh, it, it has come into vogue once again. Um, it, it is being talked about again. Uh, as I started writing about this, I, I, it wasn't even an issue. And now all of a sudden, uh, because of uh, Biden's actions, uh, Canada is once again speaking of it. And the fact that their deal is worth so much more than ours and that they would even consider canceling it should really, really lead us into the same path. Uh, even if what our prime minister says is true, that uh, it would be a $1 billion deal for Canada, which, by the way, compared with other things, is peanuts, mm -hmm. uh, and we have absolutely no excuse to still be trading weapons with this 
uh, with this Republic. Yeah, like I'm even looking at the the Stockholm Peace Research Institute, uh, their trade registers of arms trades right now, and looking at the United States and uh, the Saudis since 2000 to 2019, there's over five pages with thousands of weapons per page that have been traded to Saudi Arabia from the United States. So the fact that like, would consider canceling a deal with them while we're still pushing it is kind of ridiculous because they're making a load of money off of this and delivering way more weapons than we could ever hope to yeah so it really gives us no excuse at the end of the day yeah exactly uh and keep in mind that um these these same sorts of politicians, such as Stephen Harper, uh, who simply support labor when it is uh, convenient to them, uh, these people are worried about 600 jobs, 600 people being laid off, yet they have no problem with uh, layoffs such as what happened with, uh, with you know, Sears, uh, Let's say uh, Husky, when, when Husky was bought out, uh, I, I don't really need to name more. There's been several layoffs throughout uh, even the past five years, which are double that. Well, even that, that kind of goes into our next topic there on the whole Bell Let's Talk thing, where you have a corporation like Bell that's, you know, giving all this lip service to wanting to support mental health and like all these mental health initiatives and stuff and getting regular people involved and raising all this money, but then turning around and taking millions of dollars from the Canadian government in that's supposed to be going towards wage subsidy, wage subsidies and turning around and firing a ton of staff during a, like in the midst of a, a pandemic and the Canadian government's not doing anything about it and they couldn't care less. And then instead of those wage subsidies going to helping those employees, you see it where now the, that money, instead of going to help those employees is now going to increase shareholder dividends and payouts. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it kind of makes it, um, hides the fact that mental illness is often uh, tied directly to your economic stability. Uh, like, of course, there's a lot of mental health conditions that uh, are outside of that and are entirely uh, chemically dependent. But when we start to ignore the issue of, like Judy was talking about earlier, when you don't have a place to go every night, where you don't have a place to break down, where you don't have a solid foundation, um, it's almost impossible not to have mental health issues. And when we, when we talk about mental health issues, it's like, okay, I'm stressed because I have to pay this much in rent. I have to pay this, I have to pay this. How do you talk your way? How do you talk to someone about not being stressed about that kind of thing? It's ignoring the issue while appearing to be talking about it. And that's what like a lot of corporations do. That's the whole uh, woke capitalism, right? That's where uh, Skittles puts a rainbow on, on their packaging or they make it white actually is what they did. They, they made them all white as like a gay pride thing. And then, okay, well, I guess Mondalis is a corporation 
they're perfectly okay now that they utilize child slavery and and all that kind of stuff to make their chocolate but no they're, they're okay because they're 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 woke they're socially woke and it, it, it gives these companies an excuse to just continue on with with these horrendous behaviors that uh that are really tearing apart the working class yeah and it's not just companies too like our government does it too like these empty platitudes and lip service like you see the canadian government threatening to you know trying to get its allies to join with it to cancel the olympics in beijing over alleged human rights abuses while in our own backyard the ongoing genocide of indigenous peoples is occurring and like the government's leaving out the workers and even the small businesses out to dry and they couldn't care less yet they they portray themselves off to the to the world as like this, you know, this uh, amazing, kind and caring country, when in reality, we just sweep all of our stuff under the rug and pretend it's not there. Yeah, I was, um, I was going to bring up uh, this article I found on uh, the conditions at Bell for for their workers. Um, this is from CBC, they say that uh, more than 600 people have contacted the CBC uh, after an investigation um, with issues concerning their mental health at this company. Uh, one person even even uh, filed a human rights complaint. Um, this was in 2017, by the way. Uh, and uh, there's been reports of panic attacks, stress-induced vomiting and diarrhea. Uh, these people essentially are told that uh, they need to meet their quotas, um, that if they don't meet their quotas, they will be in significant trouble. Uh, and that's just the hypocrisy of these sort of PR campaigns. Yeah, and yet Canada feels it has the right to turn around and tell other countries what's right and what's wrong when a lot of our workforce um that that's not an unfamiliar story for a lot of the workforce i could tell you uh being a part of several uh retail companies myself um that's an attitude that boils down that oh it doesn't matter uh your basic human rights basically what we have to afford you bare minimum legally by law we'll probably give you that most of the time but like, for example, my girlfriend uh, works at uh, a casino right now, and it's just expected that they don't take breaks. And if you ask for a break, it's like this big weird thing. And then they're like, okay, well, we'll get someone to cover you. And it, like, it takes an hour and you get like a 10 minute standing break. Um, and then that's a whole other issue. But even with laws in place, it's just commonplace for all this to happen. And then... We, we ask, why is mental health getting worse? Why is why are suicide rates constantly on the rise, even before the COVID pandemic happened? And my question is, is how are, are the suicide rates not higher? Um, I know that sounds really grim, but being in a lot of these situations myself, I can see how it's very easy for someone to give up all hope in life entirely. Um, but with that being well, yeah. said, uh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Well, yeah, we, I was just going to say we've been we've been totally alienated from our work. We, we aren't paid what we're worth. We are just used and abused by these companies that just want to make a quick buck. 
and it's not something that's unique to large businesses. It happens sometimes a lot more, even in small businesses, but like the government just turns a blind eye and these corporations, they don't care. They just, they just want to make money. Like one of my former jobs, I was working construction and I got injured. And after, uh, after my injury, once my WC, w, uh, CV claim ended, uh, my shoulder uh, was still pretty messed up. It caused me pain for another year or so after that. But uh, once the WCB claim ended, the, the company just fired me because they, see, they saw me as a liability. And like, it's not, it's not right. It's, it's something that I, and like, I'm not the only person that's been in that kind of situation before it's, we give our time, we give our, you know, our energy and our focus to these companies that if, you know, we don't show up or something goes wrong in our personal lives and, you know, or we mess up or something, they just, they just shuffle us out the door and replace us in, in a heartbeat because the, we're now a liability to their profit margins. They don't, they don't pay us what we're worth. We produce so much money for these companies. We're the ones that run their companies. We're the ones that, you know, make them successful and able to have a business, but yet they would get rid of us without a second, without a second thought. Yeah. At the, at the end of the day, we're just another number on the page, right? But with that, exactly. With that being said, um, this has gone uh, quite a bit longer than we had planned initially. So I think uh, just about this point, uh, we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, thank you guys for showing up with me and uh, uh, talking for a bit here. Um, for information on the Bear Clan Patrol, you can check in the uh, video description or if you're listening on Spotify or one of those other platforms, uh, you can just look up Bear Clan Patrol Edmonton on Facebook, find a way to donate to them. As well, if you're interested in donating to our Crisis Shelters project, the website isn't quite ready, uh, but as soon as it is, we will also have that link down there in the description. So uh, again, thank you everybody so much for listening and uh, I hope you have a wonderful night. I'm going to make sure all that kind of stuff's in the, uh, the, the show notes too. Um, I don't know what platforms are going to be able to, but I know our podcast now is on a couple different platforms from like iHeartRadio, Spotify, um, Apple Music, all kinds of stuff like that. Nice. So whatever platforms allow for show notes, we'll have that and we'll keep posting on upcoming projects we got going on and the, stuff we're doing and we'll even keep people in the loop about bear clan as we uh we plan to keep working with them and supporting them however we can since they're doing some amazing work um yeah just uh be sure to check out our uh social media pages and uh we're just going to keep updating people as we go absolutely um yeah you will be able to find the links uh so just all you gotta do is look for them uh thank you so much to everybody and uh, you have yourselves a good night a good day uh, whatever it is wherever you are